Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Episode 154 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. The January 6th committee is not joking around. But the president got a chance to do that on Saturday night. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn. Thank you for like, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends and tweeting and TikToking about this podcast. I'm not on TikTok, so if you're TikToking, I don't I don't know about it. I, I probably should get on TikTok, but what would I do on TikTok? I'm back. I know I was off last week. That caught a couple of you by surprise. I uh, had a little bit of a snafu technically, uh, but I'm back. Everything's fixed. Everything's working. Got a great guest today. Jill Weinbanks is with me. We'll talk about the January 6th committee. We'll talk about all sorts of legal and other political things because, you know, Jill, uh, she's always on MSNBC. She was a prosecutor during the Watergate scandal, a very young prosecutor, I should say at the time. Uh, and she's fantastic. She's got a wealth of knowledge that is uh, unbelievable. And I love talking to her. And she's back. So uh, welcome back for her. Welcome back to you. Hope you guys had a good week without me. I hope you didn't miss me too much. I have I have like 153 other episodes you could have listened to. Maybe you, you just started me late. You could have went back into the catalog and uh, looked at some of my oldies, but goodies. Uh, I've been doing this now, I guess, 153 episodes. I guess that's three years. I've been doing this for three years. Almost, I think probably almost to the day. I think I launched this podcast in May of 2019. I think that's probably right. I've been doing this for three years. I hope you, I hope you enjoy it. I, I enjoy doing it. So I really missed doing it last week. I just had a little bit of a problem I had to deal with. So um, let's talk about the weekend that was. The uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner took place for the first time in uh, two years because of COVID and for the first time with the President uh, of the United States in attendance in six years because the former guy could not take a joke, did not want to be roasted. I mean, as legend has it, he was roasted so badly at the 2012 or 2011 Correspondents' Dinner that he decided to run for president in that moment, that he was going to prove them all wrong. I mean, I don't know if that's true. The guy's been running for president since the 1980s. So I would, uh, I would uh, discount that. No, uh, I thought it was great to see the president there getting roasted, a lot of old jokes, 
Um, he made one about himself I thought was kind of clever about Calvin Coolidge, who was the first president to address the group and saying, yeah, I just got elected to the Senate then. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I thought Trevor Noah was brilliant, as he always is. He's a very funny, funny comedian. I particularly liked when he went into Obama's voice and told Joe Biden, no, he's not here. I'm just doing the voice. It's it's pretty, it's, it was pretty funny. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoy the spectacle of it. I enjoy the juxtaposition of Nancy Pelosi in Kiev as that was going on. Uh, I think that was kind of good. Uh, it shows that we could walk and chew gum at the same time in this country. Some people are like, well, when is Biden going to go to Kiev? I, I, I think he should go to Kiev. I've said it here. I've said it on other shows. I think he should visit Zelensky and go to Ukraine. Uh, but I also think we've got a lot of problems here at home that he needs to address. Uh, inflation being the biggest among them. And ending the war in Ukraine would be a big way to fix some of those problems. So, you know, get ready. So let me just revisit something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I, I had a, an episode, I think I called it uh, Sexual Gathering. Uh, you might have listened to it. It was about Madison Cawthorn, who had said that he had been invited to what people described as a sexual gathering with other members of the House Republican Caucus. And he also witnessed members of the Republican Caucus do key bumps, which is a cocaine term, which I had to look up when I heard. Um, since then, he has been rebuked by leadership in the House, which is kind of funny because they don't rebuke. They didn't rebuke him when he threatened, you know, I, I don't want to result to violence. To protect, I mean, seriously, he, he, he talked openly about armed revolution in America. He's made all sorts of ridiculous statements, some of them racist, some of them anti-Semitic, some of them anti-women. But when he outed them for having their sexual orgies, which I do believe actually happened now, I truly believe that he was invited to an orgy by a Republican House member. I do believe he did watch Republicans doing cocaine. I do believe that actually happened. Because ever since then, it has been all-out war on Madison Cawthorn by the Republican caucus. They are now releasing pictures of him like from a cruise where he's wearing lingerie, women's lingerie. I guess that's the only kind of lingerie. I don't think there's men's lingerie, but maybe in this new world order there is. I don't know. I wouldn't wear it. <laughs> so I don't really, I'm a boxer short and t-shirt kind of guy. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it is, it is a, it is strange that they've gone after him so hard since that has happened. Maybe so hard is probably not the word to use, but they've gone after him vigorously. Uh, since those allegations and now he's, you know, he's standing in a primary six way primary, you know, they, they release a photo of him. Uh, he got cited for bringing a gun on a plane that was released. All this stuff in the last two weeks makes me think that it was so true. And, uh, Madison, if you're listening and I, I'm sure you do, I mean, I know a lot of members of Congress listen to my podcast, Madison, if you're listening, tell us about the orgies before you leave. Cause you're about to leave spectacularly. Go to the floor in your farewell speech and out the people who invited you to the orgies and let us know who offered you a key bump in Congress. I want to know. America wants to know. I want to know which member of the Republican Party out there campaigning on family values and Christianity offered you cocaine. And invited you to an orgy. Was it the same person? Was it multiple people? Did you go to the orgy? Who was there? Let us know. We want to know. In fact, 
Madison, I'll go so far as to say you have an open invitation to the Aggressive Progressive podcast or any of my radio shows. My Chris Hahn radio show, the show I do with Curtis Lewa in New York City, you could use come to any of those shows and talk about that. I really like to have you here on the podcast, though. I think this is the best setting for it. Very intimate. We could talk about it. You could tell us who invited you to the orgy. That's all I want to talk about. I could care less about your political positions because they're kind of ridiculous. I know them. They make no sense. They're ridiculous. And uh, I don't want to talk about them. But I would love to know. I'd love for you to just take them down with you because they're taking you out. You're done. You're, you're going to lose your primary. And you're going to be out of Congress. And you're going to be washed up at the age of, what, 27, 28? Like, you're, you're a really young guy to be washed up. But get ready. You're washed up. But it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to just be you. Take them down with you. All right. So I, I want to get right to my guests. And I'm going to come back uh, on the other side. And I want to talk a little bit about this New York Times article about Tucker Carlson. Uh, it's, a, it's a multi-part series about him. Uh, you all know that I know Tucker Carlson. I used to do his show regularly. Um, and I've been reading this stuff. And it rings true. Uh, I haven't been on his show in three years. That's pretty clear. Uh, New York Times did a chart. I'm glad it wasn't just me. (laughs) That's not going on. Liberals anyway. Uh, So uh, stick around after the interview. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Jill Weinbanks was a special counsel during the Watergate investigation and she is all over television one of the best lawyers i know particularly on issues of national importance like the impeachment of a president and she's back on the chris Hahn show jill how you doing i'm great and i'm so glad to be back with you but i want to know what you mean you're flashing your shirt and tie i just put i i you know it's it's like an old joke uh instagram has never verified me i'm verified everywhere else but for some reason instagram doesn't verify me and i like four years ago i just started taking a picture of my shirt and tie right before i go on the air Mm -hmm. and putting it on instagram and you know saying hey instagram look this guy's gonna be on tv like right now can you verify him (laughs) he's a television personality and they have never verified me they my agent has applied it it just doesn't happen they don't Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. I, I will never be verified on Instagram, and I've That's come to so accept. Weird. I didn't even know you could get it verified on Instagram. I, I, to be honest, Jill, there are producers at, at at the networks I've been on that are verified on Instagram. Uh, they've never been on television, but they're producers and they're verified, and they won't verify me. I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand what I got to do. Instagram, do it. 
I, deserves it. Yeah, I'm just just saying Instagram. I mean, I you know, I'd use you more. I wouldn't just put pictures of my dog and my tie. I mean, and I might do other things, sunsets. I don't know. I don't know what people people do on Instagram. So, uh, Jill, nice to talk to you again. I miss you. It's been a while since I've had you on. I the book, the Watergate Girl book. If you haven't picked it up, fantastic. Read it. Jill's fantastic. She's got a world world of experience, and no better person to talk to about what's going on with the January 6th committee and what may happen. But before we get there, this blockbuster reporting that we're all reading today about the mood among Republicans as January 6th was happening, particularly Kevin McCarthy, who I find spineless in a lot of cases, making the bold claim that he was going to call Donald Trump and tell him to resign, but never did. And you, of course, lived through Watergate. You were there. You saw it happening. And, and Republicans did the right thing at that point. They marched to the White House and told the president to resign. What do you make of this? I make of it that there aren't any leaders, there aren't any men or women of moral ethics left on the Republican side. And what I thought was so obvious to happen that happened in Watergate, which was the three top Republicans, from the House, the Senate, and Goldwater, who had been the presidential candidate before um, and was just currently a senator, right. said, we see the facts, we believe the facts, evidence is evidence, he's guilty, he's got to go. And they went right to the White House and said, if you do not resign, you will be convicted in an impeachment trial in the Senate. Mm. And Nixon said, well, I have your support, at least, don't I? And reportedly, Goldwater said, you do not even have my vote. Wow. So he agreed to resign. That was the end of Richard Nixon. And he was announced his resignation the next day, and he was gone the day after that. We just don't have people, I feel, on the right that will put the country before the party. And I think well, that, that's the problem. It is a problem. But what I don't understand is how the party can withstand this, how voters aren't outraged when they see that the real opinion of these people is that Donald Trump is guilty of conspiracy to overtake democracy, that he wanted to stop the rightful transfer of power, the peaceful and legitimate transfer to the winner of the election, that they saw him as lying about the fraud. They saw him as not being willing to participate in democracy, and yet they still support him to this day and Mm. are afraid to speak out. That's what I don't get. They put their career over the country, and like, what's the point? Like, what's the point to be a member of the House of Representatives or a senator if we fall into a dictatorship? You're not going to have any power at all then i don't understand you went to washington because you wanted to serve and i might not like your positions on things but surely you entered politics because you loved america i i would think i would hope i would hope so but it's even worse than that because i think what's happening is that they have just sort of given up and they have let someone who has used all of the tactics of a dictator, has used all of the tactics of an authoritarian, fascistic leader to take complete power, and they cower in his presence. He has no policies that are good for America. 
he doesn't even really care about governing. He just wants to be there and be in control, and he loves riling people up. Um, he doesn't even want to do the work. Exactly. <laughs> like- um, I just had, I have a podcast, um, I have two, but one is called iGen Politics, which has a guest, an expert, and we just interviewed Ruth ben Giat, who wrote the book Strongmen, and it was so chilling to listen to her description of dictators from, she starts with Mussolini, who she says preceded Hitler. Yep. And then you listen to how she describes what the characteristics are, and she's describing Trump and Putin. Yeah. Absolutely, oh. it was chilling. Scary, horrible. Right to the, you know, let's start with the fact that, he you know, if you say something that he doesn't agree with, you are lying. You are a liar. You mm-hmm. should not be, you are anti-American. You mm-hmm. are an enemy of the people. Mm-hmm. It is, it's amazing to me how they don't see it. And, and these are people that have, you know, like they've had long careers. Some of them have had long careers in politics and they're just willing to roll over. I I totally don't get it. And I'm very disappointed that we don't have, because uh, I'm old enough to remember when we had two parties that might disagree. They agreed on the facts. Yeah. Didn't always agree on how you take those facts and craft a policy. But they had civil discussions of that and ended up coming to action. Right. Whereas right now, you have nothing happening. You have the Republicans sworn to stop anything the Democrats want. Right, that's it. Whether it's good or bad, whether they agreed with it initially, like the fact that Trump should go, they just, if the Republicans think the Democrats want it, the Republicans will fight it. Mm. That's terrible, and we're getting nothing done. And all of the things that we need right now in America, and frankly, America's role in the world, what's happening around the world and the impact it could have, I see Ukraine as standing between us and Russia attacking us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, and, and they, it, some of them, at least early on, were rooting for Putin in Ukraine. It's, it's, I don't, I don't, I thought this fever would break by now. I really did. <laughs> and I am so disappointed in them. Well, that's like saying, I was sure when the uh, entertainment uh, tonight, what was the name of that? The, when that video came out with Donald Trump saying, yeah, I just grabbed them by the... Yeah, the Access Hollywood I tape, thought, yeah. He's done. Yeah. He's done. He can't possibly, you know, last. He's gone. Evangelical well, Christians aren't going to vote for him now. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Boy, was I wrong. There's well, no question I, I have it. no idea yeah. how evangelical Christians are with this guy. He is, first of all, he's a guy who has five kids from three different women. Let's start there. Uh, the Access Hollywood tape, all of his uh, countless, you know, like if, you know, I grew up in New York, uh, anybody who grew up in New York in the eighties, you know, knows what was going on with this guy. Right. I mean, it was all tabloid, tabloid fodder, which he was feeding them himself, by the way. Uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that he had that kind of level of support among people who, you know, you know, say that they're, you know, Bible thumping Christians. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, and you didn't even mention Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. Um, I mean, right. This is how he's managed to keep people's support. I don't get it. This is a man who the cover of New York Post 
while he was married to his first wife was a headline that said the best sex I ever had from another woman <gasps> who wasn't his wife. That was the cover of the New York Post. Oh my God. <laughs> Marla Maples. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> it was, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and and he, he said was, that to them? She, he fed it to them and she confirmed it. And it was the cover of the New York Post while he was married. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, you know, I was a kid at the time, but I remember it like it was yesterday. So Jill, just putting a bow on that conversation, these Christians, you know, they got what they wanted out of Trump, right? They got their their three ultra right wing conservative justices who have really been running roughshod, in my opinion, over the Constitution. Um, you know, I, I know you you follow the court a lot more closely than I do. It, can it get any worse? Yeah, it. I suppose it could. But at this point, the 6-3 majority is not completely holding because uh, Chief Justice Roberts has voted with the liberal minority on some occasions, but that only makes it 5-4. Right. They'll win. So it sort of doesn't matter. And the fact that Breyer is retiring and that we have a new justice taking over doesn't change that. Right. It's still 6-3 at most 5-4. And I don't see any of the five ever breaking. And so there I, isn't a chance in hell. I like, just add, I want to just add that okay, what's worse or as bad is the fact of what happened in the federal district courts mm. and the federal courts of appeal. It's not just the Supreme Court. Right now, you have outrageous decisions from the district court. You just had the mask mandate. Right nullified by a 33-year... Well, I'm not sure how old she is now. She was 33 when she was appointed. She's one of the only judges who's ever been confirmed who was voted as not qualified. Wow. ABA. And the ABA has a very nonpartisan, very criteria standard approach. Right, right. And she, she, she had no trial experience. None. Zero. Wow. She had only been in private practice for, like, less than a year. Yeah, I'd only been out of law school for four years when I was 33. Nine. I think it was nine. <laughs> right. Not quite four, but not enough to be a judge. Right. Not enough to know what she was doing. She had clerked um, for judges, and so that gives you some good experience. But, you know, that doesn't make you qualified to be a judge yourself. Yeah. And so that's that's doing some significant damage. And if you can't trust the district court, then it it's all downhill from there. And by the way, there's no chance that if the Republicans take the Senate, there isn't a chance in hell they're going to give him a Supreme Court pick. You know, Thomas could resign the day after uh, the Republicans take control of the Senate and they will not allow that nominee to come to the floor. That's true. And that could lead to a lot of ties because if he was gone and there wasn't a replacement, it be four four, right? And it, it, on those cases where Roberts votes the way judges should, right? Justices should. So it would be a, a it'd be a pretty much a disaster. Oh my god! Yep. What do you think the chance? I have a feeling that we're going to wind up with that. Although I do think the Democrats are going to hold the Senate. I think, believe it or not, I think that the Supreme Court is going to make a very big mistake. 
uh, in July or June, late June, and they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Democrats better message it well, but I'm, I'm, I'm buoyed by the fact that they've been messaging this don't say gay bill so well that perhaps when uh, they leave a little bit of life in Roe v. Wade, the Democrats will just understand to say Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I, I hope they do it in enough time that people actually feel the effects and see the, the domino effect of other states enacting or those that have trigger laws. And thank heavens in Illinois, we have um, protected the rights and there is no trigger law. Right. But there are a lot of states with trigger laws. And, and what about all the states that are saying, you know, we can tell you what to do except... We can't tell you to wear a mask, but we can tell you you can't give your kids the medical treatment you want to give them. Right. It's It just doesn't make sense, and hopefully people will start to see how dangerous what's happening is. Yeah, they are dangerous, dangerous people uh, in a lot it's of a ways. It's a very scary time in terms of losing all of the things that are the foundational rights that we believe in. And uh, there's there are a lot of things at stake, religion establishment and you know forced religion um do you think that they would pregnancy i would consider not allowing an abortion a forced childbearing especially if you were raped yes in this country and a lot of these states they make no different they make no exception for rape or incest or any other thing it it is it is a it it, they're they're just horrible exactly and i but that's why i think that you know when the court does its ruling on roe v wade the Democrats need to make a big deal out of it because it could keep the Senate for them and allow Biden to put another person or two on the Supreme Court. I, I'm hoping. And they can't put it off. I mean, it was argued this term. They cannot. No, they, they can't. And by the way, if they do put it off, that would backfire on the Republicans because these conservative Christians have been backing these nonsense people for the yeah. last, you know, 30, 40 years now on this issue. Yeah. And now you're going to pull the rug out from them when you have the opportunity to? No, they're going to, they have to make the choice this time. Yeah. They can't punt so, it. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I think that this is the year that that issue comes to a head, that the Democrats capitalize on, at least in the in the Senate. I don't know if it saves them the House. I don't think anything could save them the House. Uh, but... Uh, but it would say I, it could save them the Senate it could save them Georgia it could save them and could help them win Pennsylvania uh, it you know help them keep Arizona all these places that they need to hold on to uh, this abortion rule can really make a difference and I think that uh, I think that's what you're gonna see so Jill let's talk about January 6th um clearly, They've been taking their time and it's been frustrating to a lot of progressives, right? They want to see action. And I, I, you know, you and I have both been lawyers. We've both worked in uh, the federal court system. We know that justice takes time, but the Democrats in the House are, are running out of that time. Um, you know, just give me your, your basic understanding of what's going on and what people can expect over the next couple of weeks. I think we're getting more and more up the ladder in terms of testimony, we've had eight-hour days from a lot of people in positions to have very damaging and elucidating information. Um, but we have so many things going on. You have um, Cawthorn, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm. There's a hearing tomorrow that she's going to have to testify under oath. In court. In court. 
she has to testify in. And this is in a, a fabulously interesting case that, I don't know, it's not getting enough attention. It's getting her. a lot of attention on social media, but it's not getting a lot of attention in the news. Like, she's got no, a test. No, it isn't, and I don't yeah. know why, because it, it's an interesting case saying that she should not be allowed to run because the Constitution says that if you have sworn to uphold the Constitution and you take actions against that, you can no longer hold public office. And they're saying her participation in the events of January 6th disqualify her and Mm. she can't run for public office. And so it's a question of whether she can be on the ballot and run for for this office. Right. Um, I think that's quite a fascinating... And it's a very tricky part of the Constitution because it's not self-implementing. It doesn't have an agency assigned to implement it. And nobody quite knows. So when we talked about, you know, could Donald Trump be barred from running for office based on his conduct? Nobody knew exactly how you would go about implementing the provision that says no one who, you know, acts against the Constitution who's sworn to uphold it can ever run for office. So this is an interesting case that could apply. Um, Of course, there's recently been talk about, not recent, but there's recently disclosures that there was talk about using the 25th Amendment against Donald Trump, uh, which then faded out as they all caved. Right, everybody caved. We were talking about earlier today. So it would be interesting to see what the court does there uh, if they throw her off the ballot. And by the way, if they bar her, that would be uh, motivation to bar others who are also involved, and particularly Donald Trump, frankly. Uh, yes, well, Donald Trump would be a, a good one, but there are many others, um, you know, Hawley, who was out there cheering them on, Yep. Um, Mo Brooks, who spoke, and, you know, there's a, a whole bunch of them who might be at risk as a result of that. Well, that'd be interesting. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope that it goes forward, and I hope it succeeds, but... God knows how this is going to go. I'm look, looking forward to watching her testify, though, because she is quite a character. Mm-hmm. But so, but back to January 6th. So when do you think we're going to start to see more public hearings and testimony? Oh, that's such a good question. And I'm trying to time a vacation to be here when it's <laughs> happening and not gone. Um, you know, the talk has always been about May being a time for hearings. But the closer that gets and the less there is, a firm date and plan, the more I wonder if it's actually going to happen. Right. Um, But I personally am a firm believer that the public testimony could be the thing that really turns America around. I know, again, going back to Watergate, there was a huge change in the popular opinion as the witnesses testified in public before the Senate. Right. And so by the time the indictment came out, by the time articles of impeachment were voted, people already were seeing that the president was a crook, mm-hmm. no matter what he said. Yeah. And it's a different world now, and I no one knows better than I do how different it is, because back then, Democrats and Republicans all agreed on the facts. Right. They didn't agree on the consequences, but they agreed on the facts. Right. And until you get to that, 
you can't agree on the consequences. And, and people weren't siloed in their news watching habits, exactly. right? You, you got exactly. the news from the news is pretty much the same because it was news. Now it's opinion it, <laughs> disguised it, as news. Back then it was news, and there you know we had limited sources. You had basically three major networks. NBC, CBS, and ABC, and they all reported exactly the same information. And it's only now that we have all the different cables, and you have, as you just referred to it, you have the silos of information. Yeah. People actually can choose to listen only to what they already believed. So if you voted for Trump, you want to believe he's a good guy, and you're going to listen to Fox News, who's going to say he's terrific. And that's not a good thing for democracy to be denied the actual facts. Have you ever tried to debate a Trump supporter? Oh, I have. Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. I do it on TV. It's very hard. <laughs> I, I, Jill, I debated Rudy Giuliani. Oh, God. <laughs> so. Oh, God. Well, that's even worse because we know he's smart enough to actually know that he's lying. Well, when I debated him, I think he was losing his mind. Uh, it was the viral moment of the year, frankly. It was, he broke down like a maniac. He wow. started calling me a, a moron on national television for repeating back to him something he had just said. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was over Ukraine, believe it or not. It was over, you know, he said that the State Department sent him to Ukraine. And I said, I want to know, why did the State Department send you to Ukraine? <laughs> and it was just like a... It was in the Borat movie. It was, it was oh a, my god! It was a big moment. So, oh my, I'm gonna have to rewatch Borat. You know, you you know, just Google Chris Han, Rudy Giuliani. It'll be the first okay. thing that comes up. It's a crazy. You know, this is a guy who look. I I'm, I worked for Chuck Schumer. I I worked for Chuck Schumer on 9/11. I had a lot of respect for Rudy Giuliani. Didn't always agree with him, but I had a lot of respect for him. And he was pretty pathetic in that moment and yeah i've debated him i've debated lots of trump supporters over the years and um yeah they're hard to talk to it's very hard because they don't have facts they'll say well i like him well but why what has he done for you and they never can come up um no they never have an answer yeah exactly that's the problem (laughs) well they don't want to tell you they like him because he's standing up for white men they don't ever want to say, well, I like him because he's up against all that wokeness. And, you know, I don't want to see those people get theirs. <laughs> they don't want to say that to you. I mean, it's really like people who don't have a reason to like Trump only like him because he's a racist. It's just like they gave him license. They have given racist license to yeah. be more racist. Yeah, that is true. It is true. We need to do something to get the vote out from young people, from and the Democrats have to come together. We yes. have to stop fighting between the liberals and the moderates because it's not going to help. Whoever you are on whichever side, whether it's the most far left of the Democratic Party or the furthest right of the Democratic Party, you are much more in tune with the other person's point of view than any Republican. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't let the Republicans win, and you can't let the Republicans control the Supreme Court or the Court of Appeals or the district courts, because that will affect all of our lives. And frankly, we also have to get busy on the state courts, yeah, state representatives, because right now that's where the action is. Well, Biden, Biden in his first year, though, 
he appointed a lot of judges, like more than any other president in their first year. I don't know that he's quite caught up to where Trump was after his four years, but he did a pretty good job in his first year. And I know the Democrats slowed Trump's, you know, role dramatically, uh, you know, towards the end. But it's it's they got a lot of ground to make up on these judges here. And, uh, you know, how do you think Biden has been doing so far? I, I think if you look at his accomplishments, it's been amazing, particularly because he's dealing with an inherited COVID problem. He's dealing with a crazy person from Russia who has, with no cause, invaded another democracy. Yep. And a person who has nuclear weapons that could end the world as we know it, and who will not stop, in my opinion, with Ukraine. And so we have to stop him before he leaves Ukraine, because otherwise democracies will be at risk. So I want to, you know, I have about two minutes left with you, and I want to pick your brain on one more thing Mm -hmm. on January 6th. I have been suspecting that Trump and Mike Flynn and some others who have been desperately trying to keep their phone logs secret are doing so because while January 6th has been going on, they may or may not have been reaching out to foreign governments to gauge their support should they be successful in their coup attempt. Do you have any inkling of whether or not that theory might hold some truth? And quite frankly, what would happen if it is true? Well, of course, accepting help from foreign governments or gifts from foreign governments uh, is against the Constitution. Uh, the foreign emoluments right. prohibits that. And our campaign laws prohibit any foreign contributions. And that would include anything of value. Well, what about support for their coup? I mean, that would be, quite frankly, I think it'd be treason. Right. It, it, well, it, treason requires war. I mean, the actual legal definition of treason. Right. So it, it might not be treason, but it is clearly... A crime. Yep. I mean, there's no question about that. And so I, there are so many possibilities of what is in all of the phone records. And remember, all we're seeing is who called who. Right. Not- uh, I, I want to see if there's a Russian area code in there. I bet you there is. Jill, you are the best. Watch her on MSNBC. She's on all the time. Check out her podcast, Sisters-in-Law and iGen Politics. Am I getting that right? Yes, you are. And, and, and read her book, Watergate Girl. Jill Weinbanks, it's always a pleasure. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm back. I hope you liked Joe Weinbanks. I mean, geez, how great was that? He's awesome. 
Uh, check out all of her stuff. She's great. She knows what she's talking about, too. She's lived it. And there's no better teacher than experience. And Jill lived through Watergate. She remembers those hearings. She's going to have a lot to say in June when these January 6th committee hearings uh, commence. And I'm going to definitely have her back because I, I love talking to Jill. She's great. So let me just end tonight briefly. I'm not going to get too deep into this. I am probably going to do a whole show about my relationship with Tucker Carlson and my relationship with Fox News. Maybe I should just write a book, get it over with. If my cousin's listening to me, please call me. <laughs> so uh, I, it is a, because I couldn't write a book on my own. I just don't have the capacity. I could talk forever. I could talk for, you know, 17 hours straight without stopping. But writing a book, that's, that is a little beyond me, frankly. At least one that would be, you know, have complete sentences and, you know, some sort of format to it and order. So I haven't been on Tucker Carlson's show in three years, at least three years. That's after being on his show once a week at least in big spots, big top of the show almost every time, sometimes with like, you know, big scandals happening and you get like Roger Stone who was in the middle of a big scandal and then I'd be on right after Roger Stone. Carter Page, I'd be on right after Carter Page. He once brought Carter Page back to debate me and I called Carter Page a useful idiot to Carter Page's face. No problem for Tucker. He'd have me back on the next week. And that went on for about two years. Maybe it was 18 months, but it was about two years of his program. And I didn't think much of it because I was getting a lot of hits on Ingram and Hannity and Pirro and, you know, the seven o'clock show on Fox. I was doing a lot of primetime Fox up until about a year and a half ago. I don't do any primetime Fox lately. Uh, I do some Fox business. I do some afternoons on Fox. I do some weekends, but I, I haven't done a lot of primetime on Fox since the 2020 election. And part of that is probably because I took on Tucker Carlson on Fox News. I Not to his face. Uh, I was on the afternoon show, and they played a clip of Tucker Carlson. And they asked the panel, and I was on the panel, me and another, uh, me and a Republican, to respond to it. And I responded to it truthfully. I said, the man has become a conspiracy theorist, and he's spreading lies. And I called him a liar. I called him a grifter, and that was it. Now, you know, he is the number one most powerful host on Fox, and maybe saying that is reason enough for me not to be on primetime. They still use me at Fox, just not like they used to. Here's my theory on the guy. And by the way, this is, you know, the story talks about this. The story that was written in the New York Times, it's a five-part story from what I've read so far. It mentions, look, they used to have people who disagreed with Tucker on almost every show. They don't anymore. Not rarely. It's like a rare, rare, rare thing. So, you know, the point I'm trying to make is this is a man, and I've said this before, who has been a failed pundit, who has been out of television. Not that he needs the money. The guy's the heir to the Swanson TV dinner fortune. But he doesn't need the money, so he does it for some some other type of gratification. And he used to think he could get that gratification by hosting Honest Debates. Remember, he started his career at MSNBC, and then he, he got CNN Crossfire, and then 
crossfire sp- failed spectacularly. Jon Stewart basically single-handedly took them down in an, in an episode of Crossfire. He went on Crossfire and basically said, you're the problem. And I agree with that. Uh, and then, of course, I've become part of the problem over the years. But this is a man who's failed spectacularly, doesn't want to fail again, and he sees that this white supremacist audience keeps watching his show, this audience filled with scared old white people, let's, let's call it what they are, um, will keep on watching his show, that he's dug deeper and deeper into this abyss. This abyss of white supremacy and dangerous rhetoric. It, it really truly is dangerous rhetoric and conspiracy theory. Because he knows that's where his audience is. And if he can keep on being number one, they won't fire him. And he's right. They haven't. And he said some despicable things. Things that in the past would get you fired even from Fox. Yet, the money keeps rolling in and nobody's asking why. And nobody cares over there. So it is scary. Now, as for my relationship with the guy, I, I look, I knew him before he had this show. I used to talk to him in the green rooms. Uh, we'd be on panels together. Sometimes he'd be guest hosting shows I'd be on. I never had a problem with the guy, personally. Always got along with him. Always liked him. Never thought he was crazy. Never thought he was an extremist. But you cannot watch that show these days. You cannot watch that show and not realize there is something seriously wrong with that man. Something has snapped in Tucker Carlson. And I think this article, uh, this column, or this expose, really, it's a multi-part expose of Tucker Carlson. I think it it does a marvelous job exposing who he is. So kudos to the New York Times and Nick Compasori who, who wrote it. Um, I will be finished reading it probably by <laughs> the end of the month. It's so long. There's so much to it. But it is, uh, from what I've read so far, it's pretty damn spectacular, and I encourage you all to read it. All right, with that, I'm going to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.